Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. As you listeners know, we are in the midst of our College Contenders series previewing the teams that ended the year in the top 10 of the rankings at the end of the 2019 season and projecting how those teams forecast into the 2020 uh, dual match portion of the year. As you listeners know, it's been a three-part preview on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Your favorite writer, Matt Sikoyak, writing up previews each week of each team, looking at the rosters, the stats from last year's, the nitty-gritty. Then that night, he, myself, and Chris Halioris discussed the team on our mini-break podcast, looking at all of those things, giving our projections for them on the year, where we think their lineup's going to end up, all of those different things to help prepare you when you're watching throughout the 2020 season. And then, of course, there's the third component, these cracked interviews, where we have been fortunate enough to interview the coaches of the teams we have discussed thus far, uh, not in order of when the interviews happen happened, but we've discussed TCU, Mississippi State, USC, UNC, and been fortunate enough to talk to all of those coaches. Joining me on some of those podcasts with those coaching conversations, uh, also joining us on the mini break and joining us on tonight on tonight's Cracked Interviews podcast. He is the forefather of the collegetennisranks.com formula. His predictions are never far from the listed UTR, and of course, you know him as the latest dame to root for the Liberty Flames. Chris Halliores, welcome back to the Cracked Interviews podcast. Hey, it's uh, always good to be here, Alex, and uh, great to get talking to some more college tennis tonight. Yeah, it only took four intros to get to this point. But uh, yeah, you know, it's always a pleasure to have you here, Chris. And just so you listeners know, if you didn't catch our mini break this week, we are talking Baylor Bears men's tennis, what they look like heading into the 2020 season. And tonight we had the opportunity and we recorded it just before this intro. So you listeners know, Chris, to talk to the man in charge of the Baylor Bears, head coach Brian Boland. And, you know, without giving away too much, it was a blast, wasn't it, Chris? Oh, what, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, they're getting better and better, and, and, and Coach Bola just made it so much more fun. So, yeah, for, for, those, for those of you out there listening, you get, you're, you'll love this one. Yeah, oh, without question. We talk about all of the things you want to know about the Baylor Bears. You know, for Coach Bolin in particular, his transition back to college tennis after a year away from the game, uh, building off of the success his team had at the end of last season, winning the Big 12 tournament, uh, making the NCAA quarterfinals transition to year two in the program, bringing in a new recruiting class, and obviously a big storyline with not only college tennis implications, but professional tennis implications. You listeners know we talked uh, on the Cracked Interviews podcast around the U.S. Open with Jensen Brooksby, who went on to win uh, some matches there and obviously has worked his way into the top 300 this season. A big question, he had committed to Coach Boland's Bears, and given all the pro success he had this fall, a question on everyone's mind is, will he be coming to college ultimately this season? And Chris, without giving it away, Coach Boland definitely answered that question tonight. He absolutely did. So, you know, another hour of your life and you'll have the answer. (laughs) I think it's at like the 32-minute mark if you want to scroll ahead, (laughs) listeners. Uh, It's actually like 36-ish because I have a breaking news sound effect. Uh, Well, I might have just given it away. But, yeah, we talk about that. We talk about his roster. We have a lot. I mean, if you guys don't know this, uh, you know, a little disclaimer, I'm obviously heavily partial towards Coach Bull and his Virginia teams are the reason this podcast exists. Um, But, he is just you you after this conversation Chris I get it I'm like man if I could play four years of college tennis I don't think I'm ever gonna have a girlfriend or kids at this point or at least the way things are headed but like if he's still in the college tennis game and obviously my kids will be forced to play tennis that's who they're playing for 
Yeah, but I, you know, I think it's clear that there's no way in heck there ever, that he's ever letting them come play. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. If there's one thing you'll find, that he is a uh, he's quite aware of some of my uh, tennis deficiencies. So uh, a, a lot of fun with Coach Bull in the head for you listeners. So with that in mind, let's get to our interview with the one and only Baylor Bears head coach Brian Boland. Joining us now on the Cracked Interviews podcast to help us continue our College Contenders series looking at our uh, top 10 teams heading into the 2020 dual match season. If you'll indulge me, Coach, a bit of a poem for you. Though his hair and mullet are no longer flush, his return to college tennis last year provided fans quite the rush. A man with four team national titles and much more success to his name. As a UVA fan, I think he could have had a few more, but for that, Steve Johnson, I mostly blame. Excitement about his team in 2020 is a feeling I know everyone shares, and that is why we are thrilled to welcome head coach Brian Boland of the Baylor Bears. Coach, welcome back to the Cracked Interviews podcast. It is a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it. You are one creative guy, and I'm going to say it, go blue. Uh, well, you don't realize, Chris, is that my boys went down to Waco last year for uh, the round of 32, and it's just stuck in his head. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, they, they, and they, they compete really hard. In fact, I was down at uh, this week. I was in Florida. Brandon Benjamin back here, of course, was a former Baylor Bear, and what a great guy. And, of course, Adam Steinberg does a fabulous job there. And I, I'm, I'm certain you have a lot to look forward to this upcoming year. Now, what, if you want, we can talk about, before we even get started here, and I think Chris would appreciate this, that, you know, the Baylor Bear football team's going to college football playoffs. <laughs> I mean, really? I don't know. Really? Is, is, does Michigan even have a football team anymore? Uh, <laughs> well, I'll say this. I'll give you an applause, a round of applause. Westoff, put in the sound effect, please, for that playoff performance, because I know you uh, coordinate the offense, Coach. Uh, but, you know, it's Not much... the second half of Oklahoma, otherwise correct. <laughs> well, no, are you kidding? I saw a running play, and that's a classic bowl and poach in doubles. I saw Mike Shabazz do that hundreds of times. Um, but I do want to start this podcast before we get into any tennis. I know it's the holiday season, obviously. Happy belated Thanksgiving to you and your family. But I know your son just committed to the Baylor Bears, and on behalf of the Crack Rackets tennis community, fans of yours, congratulations to you and your family, Coach. That's awesome. No, thank you. My daughter's a freshman at Baylor now, and she's loving it. And Bryce uh, is really excited to join Matt Rule's program next fall. And he's had a great high school run, uh, both when he was in Orlando and he went from soccer to kicking footballs and punting and now had a great year playing at the highest uh, division of Texas high, uh, football in the high school level. You can imagine that's, you know, that's pretty intense. And he's had a lot of success. My wife and I and our family is just excited that he's going to stay at home. And, and we really believe in what Matt's doing here uh, at Baylor. And it's an exciting time for our entire athletic program. Yeah, that's so awesome to hear, Coach. It's nice to get you get to keep them close. Yeah, I mean it's uh, <laughs> you know to have our daughter. We you know we didn't expect that, and we let them make the decisions. I truly mean that, and as I think every young person should, and and just to have them close. And and although as as many parents know, no matter how close they are, you you don't see them as much. They kind of do their thing and get involved in their lives, campus life as they should. So you know, I see Brianna. She's on the club tennis team, and and of course. Uh, as I said, I, I'm excited about Bryce and my 14-year-old boy, Brendan, is trying to convince me to give him a spot on the Baylor Bear tennis team. And if I don't do that, 
uh, he, he's, he's threatening to go to big blue. Um, and I don't know if Adam <laughs> wants him yet. So, um, I, I, but I haven't, I haven't made that commitment yet. We got a long ways to go with him, but, uh, and then, and, uh, so we're excited. Yeah. We're really, really thrilled for Bryce. Can I say your, your daughter getting into club tennis? That's my realm coach. Now we're talking my game. Uh, keep well, your daughter away uh, from Groskin. <laughs> you uh, want no part of that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've heard good things about Gruskin. I haven't heard anything good about his tennis game, but I've heard he's a pretty damn good guy. Um, we do need to do, however, Chris, a show on Gruskin's tennis, if we could. We need to talk a little bit about, you know, his strengths and weaknesses, mainly weaknesses, if we could, uh, on the tennis court. Coach, we would have if it would sell. It wouldn't sell. They'd be like, yeah, he's bad. <laughs> I mean, if it. And, uh, and 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 coach the promo picture and you probably never saw any of this last year but the promo pictures for that would clearly be fat Gruskin. i mean <laughs> there, well, there's, there's a there's a i don't know seven eight year old picture i don't know how old it is Gruskin, but that's 13 that classic. my bar mitzvah year i love uh, it that's <laughs> funny well i i tell you what it was not too long ago when you guys put uh a shredder on the show here and i think he said something like i ran a four minute 40 now that's changed guys i've dropped a lot of weight i've been up i'm up to you know i'm not a four four forty yet but i'm working on under a minute i think he mentioned something like a four minute we we need to clarify and clear that up i'm i'm, I'm getting fitter um and uh and looking forward to the new year here that, that's Austrian metrics is what that is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. Good point. See, I, I tell you what, I, I actually, I'm sure you, you're, you're probably a, an avid follower of your son's uh, a Twitter account, but I actually saw that video of him, the, his video, the 50, 55, and 60-yard field goal back to back to back. That was impressive. Well, let's be honest. That's when Kruski goes out and he, he, he does his serve and there's nobody there and he takes that count. <laughs> So when he hits it, so Gruskin says, I'm going to hit it 30 miles an hour, then 40, then 50. That's kind of his clear. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. I mean, Chris, Chris and I have been talking. And, uh, we need to set the stage here for your... You've seen my forehand. No, you've exposed me, Coach, for years. You don't understand. 20, I'm trying to think when the Virginia um, VASP.TV backslash men's Tennessee, it's burnt in my brain. When I like first watched, you know, I'm trying to think. It was slick. You had the mullet. You were, the jawline was strong. It must have been 2010 when, or maybe 08 or 09 when, because Sam Dev was on the team. You guys played Michigan at Baylor. I'm not sure what year that was, round of 16, but I'm pretty sure that was the first video I saw. And I was like, damn, like my hairline's just like Houston Barracks. Like I could totally make this team. <laughs> I think I should try to bring the mullet back. I just don't know if it will come back. <laughs> so send me send me some of this this hair loss product i might need but yeah. um yeah it's okay it's okay it's it's part of this journey yeah no hey my uh aunt's a dermatologist so i can send you to the right people but we are way off topic uh obviously <laughs> the reason we brought you on as part of our college contender series we have been looking at the top 10 teams to end last year's rankings heading into the 2020 dual match season this week we talked about your number six baylor bears now i had a bunch of different ways i wanted to take this interview but you know you and i are we're, we're friendly we exchanged some texts back and forth and uh i happen to know there may have been a few things you disagreed with on our preview so in the interest of transparency we you know we want to hear directly from the source coach the Gomez recruiting blunder aside you also pointed out and I apologize Roy Smith did not win the Houston Challenger he made the final that's in you know it's a year of tennis but all that being said coach the outlook uh, you know your thoughts on our outlook on your bears this year 
Well, I, I think it's, it, you know, in, in my opinion, uh, you, you know, we, we talked so early about so many of these teams and look at the big 12 and I think the big 12 uh, has, as a, everybody is, uh, is formidable as an opponent. I mean, look at what Oklahoma state has this year. I think they're an outstanding team. It can compete with anybody. Uh, Texas, obviously uh, returning their top one and two, arguably two of the best, you know, few players in the country they're you know they're going to be uh tough against anyone tcu that speaks for itself and then and then of course uh, texas tech and oklahoma i mean th- these are tough places to play uh, i think anyone in the big 12 is is uh, a formidable opponent and with great respect to the league and you know it's so early that we're still months and months away and i know this is your job to, to kind of forecast where teams are where they're going to be and and i respect that um uh, but I, I i think like any year um there'll be some surprises and some some things that don't go as expected but the, you know, you guys are just doing, and I say this in all seriousness, you're just doing the best you can with what you what you have, and and uh, we're excited about uh, where Baylor was a year ago and what we were able to accomplish last year. I was really proud of the guys. They they bought into uh, some some changes that would naturally come from any uh, leadership change, and and so we're we're thrilled with with what had evolved over the past year, um, how much they love Baylor uh, and 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 attending school. Uh, you know, here and, and continuing to, to help uh, build something really special. And, and I think we've come a long ways in a short time and we're excited about uh, the recruiting. We're, we're certainly thrilled about uh, some of the development stories that we have within the program right now. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, again, I, it, it's not so much about comparing uh, because that's really hard to do for anybody. And it's not really something I want to focus on, but I am thrilled about where Baylor is at this point in time and excited about the future. You mentioned, uh, you know, a lot of things there, but year one, the changes your roster went to, and that's a good place to start because, you know, for our listeners who don't recall, obviously you had such a successful tenure at Virginia. You stepped away from college tennis. You come back onto the college scene last year, your first season at Baylor. And I'm curious for you, after a year away, coming back to the uh, to the game, let's start here. Were there things, you know, that maybe your perspective had changed on that changed the way you approached the season with your coaching philosophy? Were there things maybe you had grown to not like uh, about the game that, you know, maybe bugged you after a year away? What was that first year transitioning back to college tennis like for you? Well, first, let me say that the, the, the truth of the matter is I, I spent a year in Orlando and, and learned a great deal. I was around some of the, the best tennis coaches um, and tennis minds in the world. I don't think there's any question about that. And I mean that. And, and uh, you know, I learned an awful lot uh, being part of player development, uh, being around some, some incredible people who, who work tirelessly every day to, to do the best they can. It's, it's, it's really challenging, as you can imagine. And there's a lot of... Um, sacrifice that goes into that process and you know the truth of the matter is is that I was uh, and I've said this before that I, I wasn't expecting to go back to college tennis I thought there was a possibility at some point in time uh, that in five or ten years we were really invested in Orlando we bought a house we had our kids enrolled in school and and I got a call uh, from the athletic director and and it was within 24 hours he wanted to meet and you know I really kind of said you know time we'll, we'll sit down and talk but you know, we walked out of that meeting um, where my wife and I felt that without question, that was the, the, the best move for our family. And, and we haven't looked back. Um, we, I, I, felt, I believe I, I enjoyed my time there. It was, it was challenging. Uh, lots of great people, like I said. But going back into college tennis, 
uh, was was natural for me, as you can imagine. Although anytime you go uh, somewhere different, there's 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 some there's always challenges and adjustments. And just because something works well in one place doesn't mean that that it, it's going to apply elsewhere. And I think we know that anytime we we uh, in, embrace change. Uh, but thankfully for me, uh, the family was excited to be back in college sports and be rooting on a team and and um, be part of the uh, a program like Baylor, who was really. Uh, going through a lot of changes, you know, they had a number of uh, hundreds of new employees within the department in the last couple of years. There's tons of energy. Our, our leader, Mac Rhodes, our athletic director, is outstanding. Uh, his leadership team was was embracing myself and our family. Uh, so from the standpoint of, of of transitioning back into a college program, I was very fortunate that that I was walking into a, a very energized, excited. Uh, situation. And I think when you look at the growth of Baylor Athletics over the last couple of years, particularly this year, uh, you know, it's a great place to be. And we're really, really excited about what we're doing within our program. Then, of course, I had to hire staff. I kept Michael Woodson, uh, brought in Isaac Vandermeer, who had an amazing career at Old Dominion, went on, spent nine years on the tour. My wife and I knew him for over 20 years. He's been an incredible addition. He's a fantastic coach and an amazing human being. So he was, a, he was great for our program, Kieran Forster, who came in from the, the LTA at one point, and he's been involved with our physical fitness and has a great tennis background. I've been very fortunate to learn and grow from him. He was a great addition to our program. Uh, and then just the, the welcoming of the staff who, who really uh, invest in these young people uh, on and off the court, the holistic idea of development, and, and then to see some of the young guys uh, really embrace the change. And then some of the new guys who kind of been used to a system, as you know, Shredder, uh, Johanna Shredder, Will Little, Jimmy Bendick, um, you know, it's, it's obviously challenging to go into a, a, a new situation, new system, new leadership, new coaches, et cetera. But those guys were amazing and super proud of what they were able to accomplish and and how they embraced uh, a leadership role. And, and uh, you know, we had some growing pains in terms of some things that came up that, you know, we didn't expect with Roy and, and so on. You know, he's a wonderful young man. I still stay in touch with him and, and I hope he continues to, to, to do well. He's, he's certainly it's challenging out there, but um, you know, that was, that was tough. But at the same time, when I look at the, the, the body of work and how much the guys improved, uh, how they embraced the culture of, of, of competitiveness and discipline, et cetera, and, and really, uh, really, I think we're respectful and, 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 and loving and, and, and enjoyed what we were doing and how we were doing it. Uh, a lot of great things came and they played some of their best tennis. Some guys had some of the best years ever. So it was exciting. So, so all things considered, given your, you know, the first year and, I, and you had, as you mentioned, you know, three guys that, that graduated and left coming in and knowing that you kind of had the three seniors and then you brought in a couple uh, recruits and Boyton and Finn Bass, although Finn didn't get to play was, did the year, I mean, how did you feel the year went and was it, you know, obviously, you know, you win the, you win the big 12, uh, you're, you make quarters of NCAAs, you go 25 and six, you know, all looks good on paper. Was it about what you expected better than what you, what, you know, you, what you're hoping for, you know, how, how did you think it went? Yeah, I'll credit to these guys. I mean, I think we exceeded um, expectations in a lot of ways. You know, change is hard. Um, and, you know, Jimmy Bendick and Johanna Schroeder, Will Little, and, you know, the, the level in which Matias Soto came in and played, Sven La, uh, Adrian Boyton, who was Big 12 freshman of the year, did some amazing things. And, and, and like you mentioned, Finn being part of the team, he's, he's a great player. Um, he's someone that trains hard. He's, he's, he's really important to our team, and it was, it was wonderful to have a, a ground. So a lot of great things happened in terms of guys um, 
really loving and embracing the, the, the environment and, and coming to the herd center every day, um, ready to get better, go to work, support each other. And uh, I think it exceeded uh, many of our expectations, but it's so hard to tell, you know, what young people can do when they get together and um, they, they work day in and day out with the right perspective and attitude to, to make themselves and everyone around them better. And they're really careful with their approach in terms of, you know, realizing they all have influence because they're, they're, you know, they're, they're all leaders because they have, you know, and with leadership comes the responsibility of influence. And, and these guys really respected that and did a good job with, with their day-to-day disciplines. And, and uh, a lot of things came together for us. And we had, we had some big challenges. We went through a period of time where we couldn't even get on the court with Wake Forest because we were so thin. Uh, that's never happened to me before. And, and Tony was obviously understanding, but it's, you know, we, we had some things that, you know, like in any transition you're challenging, but I think when you look at the body of work, um, both individually in terms of development, some of the guys playing the best tennis of their life and continuing to get better and embrace the change. And, and then just, yeah, the, the results uh, I, I thought were very positive, but again, college tennis is strong. You guys know that better than anybody. There's so many great teams with so much respect for the big 12 and, 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 and the depth of college tennis. Uh, anytime you step on that court, uh, you better be ready to go. It's hard. Now, as you approached your first off season, uh, for your guys, you've had you know a lot of guys coming back in Soto, Boitan, uh, Sven La, uh, others as well. Um, you know Finn Bass coming back as well after the redshirt year and on and on. How did you approach this? You know, once you have the guys bought in, now that you have a full off season to approach working with them, you know, were they? You know, how did you guys get to work this summer? What was, what was that approach like? Yeah, well, one of the things I love about this team, and and I speak for everybody on it, is, is they truly love the game of tennis. I mean. Uh, you know, we, we, we go into college coaching and there's so many variables and factors that come into play and we're, we're all doing the best job we can. But, you know, fortunately, I, I'm just blessed to be around a group of players right now and certainly the, those joining our team that they, they love the game. They, they, they come to work every day. They want to play. They're eager. They want to get better. They, they have a growth mindset. They, they have a lot of respect for our process and what we're doing and how we're doing it and the, and the entire staff. And so, uh, that in itself has been has been a uh, a great blessing, and I've seen a ton of improvement. I think Finn Bass is is one of these guys that truly can play with with almost anybody. I mean, right now he's he's shows signs of improvement, and you know he's someone that no one talks about because he's he's been um, limited in his play, and you know he's been acclimating to the transition. He had to sit out a year, as you mentioned, which which I think in many ways is gonna is gonna be a positive for him. But I think he's gonna be a a big impact. You know, he's showing signs right now playing some of his best tennis. And if you look back in time, he's certainly been someone that's, that's, that's played at a high level. So we're excited about him. Sven Law had a great semester. Um, you know, the rankings are one thing, but just if you look at his body of work and, and some of the, the players he competed against, both, you know, in terms of college tennis and, and elsewhere and being a top 20 player right now, he's, you know, a great doubles player that speaks for itself, but he's just improved his ability to play singles and, 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 and his intangibles improved, his ball recognition improved, his ability to disrupt has gotten better. He, he is an amazingly highly skilled player. So I feel like he uses his tools a lot better, and it showed signs he won our regional. He made some good runs in nationals and so on. So he's been great. Matias Soto made the semis of our, our Futures event, beat Brandon Nakashima. Um, you know, Brandon's obviously a great player from Virginia, and you know, Alex knows that, and, and with so much respect for Brandon, they had a great match, 7-6 in the third here in the Waco Challenger. And he's also had some, you know, good run in the All-American, making the, the 16, and, and someone that, you know, when he steps on the court, he's going to make it hard for anybody. So he had some good wins, you know, last year in critical times. He beat uh, the young man from uh, from USC when we when we were fortunate enough to get past USC out in the Indian Wells event, um, beating Daniel uh, from Israel. And then, of course, 
Uh, he beat Ito uh, from Texas, who right now is, is arguably the best player in the country. And, and uh, that was a good win in the Big 12 championships, one of which we needed. So hats off to the job he's done and continued to had a good summer, made some good runs at the Futures event. He loves a game. He works so hard. Uh, he's kind of a, one of our quiet inverted leaders. So a lot of great things have come from him. Ryan Dickerson out of Duke, um, you know, he, he loves this game. And, boy, does he come ready to train every day. And he's really attended to detail. He's got a big game. Uh, athletic kid, uh, really just, uh, again, uh, sets a tone every day in terms of just coming to practice and wanting to work and do extra. And you now I've been out a few nights. My, my son's always dragging me out there after a long day. And, and Ryan's uh, out there, you know, still working at times. And, and, uh, and, and I think with, with a real purpose. I mean, Ryan has is, is been a great addition. He's, he's been a good leader for us and, and uh, really excited uh, for him because of how much he loves this game and, and how much he puts into it every single day. So, a lot of great things happening. We could could break down all the guys. You know, Adrian, we've had to be careful because he after last year, he didn't play last year totally healthy. I mean, he had an unbelievable year in his first semester in college. But Adrian Boyden, as you know, is a huge game and, and can, can certainly compete at the highest level. But we've worked really hard with our medical staff to get him healthy. Um, there's some pre-existing things that we had to deal with, and, and, and he's now 100%. And, and we're just excited about where he was and where he's going. And, and, and he's, a, he's just, a, again, just one of those guys that you can't be around enough. He's... He's a neat guy. So I'm excited about our depth. Um, excited about the constant, you know, Connie and, and, and Chris and, and what great guys they are and how much they've meant to our program. Of course, Connie um, had a good win over Texas, his number one player from last year in our regional and made some great runs this semester. And, and then we have some good additions. So I, I, I'm really excited. I, I just love working with these guys. They love the game. They love Baylor. Um, and they, they, they um, more than anything, you know, they just love being together. So it's, it's, it's been fantastic. So, Coach, you had mentioned I could go back to, to one scenario. I, I had actually completely forgotten last year about the Wake Forest scenario that you brought up. And I remember everybody was sick. You just couldn't put a healthy team together. But the one thing I was going to ask you is that indoors, I swore I saw you having a nice little conversation with Erica. There had to be a little lobbying going on to not make that a forfeit, wasn't there? Uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, I think Tony and I didn't really know. Um <laughs> You know they have they have things. Uh, it's interesting to ask that because that conversation did come up. And and the truth of the matter, if you don't show up, you should take the loss. I mean that that is a fact. But but at the same time, there's so many rules that are are in that process that you know they they looked at. And so yeah, no way for us. They they got the win. Look, Tony was happy to take it. Um, and, uh, <laughs> no and, and 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 all due respect, I would have done the same. He you know t- Tony's done a fantastic job at, at Wake Forest, and uh, you know we look forward to playing this year. Um, you know, we'll definitely have a few more bodies uh, this time around. So that was tough because, it, you know, it was interesting. We had the seventh worst flu season ever in history in this region at that time last year. And we literally got completely wiped out. It's never happened to me in over 20 years. And I can remember our our doctor getting on the phone with them and our AD. And we just didn't have a team. I mean, we, we could have went. But then what do you do is uh, you push guys into a situation where you play with a few guys that may not even be okay to play and then you, you don't get to go to indoors and you know how special that event is and it's kind of once in a, a year opportunity and, and we, we you know tony understood and so did wake and we'll be back on the schedule this year they're coming here and then so on so it's been great yeah i, I mean it was interesting it, I, yeah that is i'm glad you brought that up chris because it's rare that that happens and again that's one of those weird moments you're back in year one i'm sure that's exactly what you were expecting coach when you signed up for the job it's definitely the first time i've ever seen you know that's the first time i've ever seen a match where literally you know 
so many guys got sick. You almost think it's a, it's amazing you don't see it more because the guys are all around each other so much that when somebody Crazy. gets you know the actual flu, it could knock everybody out. But I, it's the first yeah. time I've ever seen that happen. It was crazy. Honestly, Chris, I agree, and 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 it was it was the flu just took over the team. We actually had a couple mono cases from guys who showed up here in January that I recruited. So we were kind of coming off some of that too. It was just kind of one of those challenges. It's a new year. Uh, a lot of, as you can imagine, things are changing. And and, and remember you, you coach college tennis for so long as I have, and you think, Oh, you know, I've seen it all. Well, no, you haven't. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. You never knew when you got into college tennis that there's be, be this guy named Gruskin who drove everybody nuts. <laughs> you know, I mean, so, so again, there's always something, right? Yeah, I'm going to fact check you. Clemson 2014, that Virginia match. I feel like Damajan ended up clinching it in three, but like half the team had the flu. Yeah, we were struggling that day. And that was close. Wasn't that at Clemson, if I remember? It was at, I believe so. Yeah, that was close. And, um, well, again, go look look at some of these teams and, and, the, and the depth of these teams and the conferences. I mean, ACC, their depth, how many great teams. I mean, you know, I look back and I think what we were able to accomplish, all credit to these guys. I mean, they won the matches. I haven't won any of them. So these guys went in and won, what, 140 straight matches at ACC, which we have so much respect for the conference. There's so many great teams, great programs, great schools. Um, you know, that consistency I'm, I'm very proud of, but all credit to – the players over the years that kind of could, you know, had such a respect for the program, the school, the tradition. Um, and that's when, when momentum really can take over. And we also got very lucky. You know, the truth mm-hmm. of the matter is you don't win that many matches in a league of that caliber without some things just going your way. And oh. that's true with all of this, right? Like we talk about, you know, winning championships, making the final four, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, there's so many factors that go into it. And you guys know what they are. So, you know, you could do everything right. And you still don't end up, you know, where you think you, you should have or could have. So, you know, it's it's hard. It's really hard. A lot of great teams. Uh, there are some Udza Horn losses at six that still burn in my mind. So, yeah, I feel you, Coach. <laughs> Sorry. that's. But before we get too sidetracked and make it a Virginia podcast, uh, I do – I'll take this time. You mentioned the conference, the Big 12 being back there. It's a, it's a unique conference in that there are only six teams. And I'm curious now that you've gotten the rhythm of that because obviously you play – uh, many more conference matches in the ACC. Is that something that you will factor into the way you pace your team this season? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the, you know, due to the schedules and art, and you know, we're looking at our conference. We're, we're able to, you know, one of the things that helped us helps us and, and did help us last year as well. And we're we're back on the schedule again. Is you know, when we we get to go to a tournament like the Oracle out in Palm Springs, where you know Berkeley plays University of Southern California, um, and and so there's you know that's a that's some great matches for us um, going up Texas Tech's joining this year as well, and we're doing a Big Twelve uh, Pack. 12 matchup actually so we'll play both berkeley and usc and those are both great programs great teams great coaches so we're looking forward to that and then of course there's indoors assuming we can qualify uh you know so there's some really good opportunities and then trying to balance it out to make sure that you know it's different when you 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 play a lot of the great teams and there's so many of them but i think there's some great programs in there that maybe they don't always rank this high but boy do they push you and they make it tough you need to be ready and and also you want to challenge guys you know you can't go into a season thinking well i'm just going to play the same six guys uh you need to make sure that other guys on the team uh 
one, they might need more time off. They might health reasons. Maybe a guy like Jensen's case, he's going to go play another tournament. Uh, you know, it, maybe that happens with another player on our team. We used to do that at Virginia occasionally when opportunities were, were there. I remember the year that, you know, Michael Shabazz got sent to Chile with the Davis Cup team and Alex Damajan at one point was, you know, he got into Miami with the main draw wild card. So, you know, things happen and you adjust and that's where depth comes in. And, you know, when you put a guy into the NCAs at the, with the pressure that exists there, and that's what makes college tennis so special, these guys have to learn to deal with incredible pressure and have so much respect for it, as I think so many others have, have, who, who maybe didn't know that much about it now, now really do. I think it has a tremendous amount of respect around the world. Uh, you, you need to be able to put a guy in that's, that's been there, that's been in the arena, that's felt the pressure of a dual match because it's different. And, it, it, you know, I have a lot of respect for these guys. It's uh, playing for something a lot bigger than yourself. You know, it's not just you go out, you play. Uh, if it doesn't work out, you go on to the next tournament. And, and certainly that's a grind. And we all have so much respect for what these guys do on the tour and the challenges and futures. I mean, this is really, really hard. But college tennis is it's a lot about accountability, and uh, I think they grow a lot from it. So it's great. It's interesting just to harp on this because for you guys last year, uh, I think you came in as the two or three seeds in the Big 12 tournaments, but the point is you got the chance uh, to play. Although I don't even remember if TCU was upset at this point, but accumulate you know another ranked win that maybe uh, the number one seed Texas didn't get. And then ultimately after you beat Texas, you get that top eight seed, which allows you to host a round of 16 match. I mean, I'm looking at your schedule. Wake Forest coming to you guys. I believe you're going to Illinois, the indoor as well. Uh, but you know, from a ranking perspective, and Chris is the math guy, so maybe he could speak to this more. But that those opportunities to get ranked wins, because there's only five other conference matches. Uh, is there almost you know something to being the two seed, getting that shot, an extra rank win, give you that extra boost heading into that final poll before NCAA seedings come out? Yeah, in this case, you guys are looking way further ahead. Um, <laughs> I know you mentioned that we would go to Oklahoma and, and kind of see if we could squeeze in a different spot by. By doing, you know, having it work out a certain way. Not at all. I mean, look, you just go, you, you prepare for every match, you get up every day, you try to make you guys better, you think long term. Um, you know, you, you, you make decisions that are in the best interest of these young people's development. Uh, how can they get better every day? How can they maximize? That's the great thing about having depth. Um, you can make some of those decisions. And, and uh, you know, I, I think when you take that approach, and, you know, you, you want – you certainly go into every single match, you put your guys on the court, you, you always want to put your best effort forth, you expect them to compete physically, mentally, emotionally, put everything out there. Um, but you don't want to make a decision to put a guy in a dual match unless it's in the best interest long-term of the team um, and for the player individually and their development. And I, and I feel like over the years, you know, look, I, I've coached a long time. I've, I've made my mistakes. I've, I've, I've thought short-term at times when I wish I would have thought a little bit bigger picture and long-term. And, and so, you know, I feel like I'm in a good spot in that way. I've had a lot of experiences, uh, you know, made some, you know, there's nothing like experience and, and surrounded by some great people. So I, I, I don't know what will happen come, you know, mid-April, uh, but certainly uh, I don't care who you're playing in the Big 12. Like, that's the great thing about the Big 12. I mean, we could have, you know, six teams all in the top 20. You know, maybe I'm not even – maybe it could be even, you know – it can be even more competitive than that. So, uh, you know, again, it's, uh, you never walk on the court in a big 12 match and think, well, this is, you know, this is going to be an easier match. I mean, that's, that's crazy because you're going to be in a battle and you're going to play an NCAA tournament team that can go deep in the tournament. And I, and I like it. I think it's great. Big 12 highly competitive coaches have personality. Um, yeah. It, it, they're tough places to play. I mean, you guys know what it's like to go to TCU. I mean, it's crazy. So I think that's positive, you know, and it's hard to play in Waco. I mean, we were 16 and 0 last year. That's a tribute to our fans and Waco. It's a tough place to play. And, and, you know, Texas went up to Oklahoma state and Oklahoma last year. 
course, they won the national championship, and they squeezed both those matches for three. So it's it's tough. We went to Texas Tech and lost. So it, whew, it's hard, really hard. Yeah, as you mentioned, Coach. Obviously, we 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 overanalyze that a little bit, but uh, you know, it's always fun. But but one thing I do find interesting is is kind of how how different coaches set that schedule up. So from your perspective, do, do you have do you have all your dates booked, or did you leave yourself an open date if for any reason you might need to want or need to schedule anything else? No, I I I leave. I leave I leave space for that. You always leave dates. Yeah, leave. Well, I wouldn't say plural, but you know, or singular at least, date, and yeah. sometimes one or two. But um, yeah, we try to try to arrange it in the sense that you know we can deal with things as they go, but um, you know, and not kind of box yourself into a situation that you can't be flexible. And I think that's true with how you deal with players and develop them and so on. That you know, you don't want to box yourself in, but sometimes that's just the nature. of of what you need to do based on the year of the schedule. And, and, and this year is a little different. I mean, we, we do have a lot of depth and um, you know, we're, we're looking forward to to playing a, a number of challenging matches and, and playing a, a deep lineup. You know, we're, we're going to play a deep lineup. We're going to play a lot of guys and, and we're looking forward to it. And then we got to kind of assess the injuries, you know, when they come back from break or kind of how things evolve. I mean, there's always the possibility of, but maybe it's in the best interest of a certain guy to redshirt. So again, it, all the factors kind of play over the next few months and, trying to make decisions in the best interest of, of the players individually, and that always works itself out. You mentioned your depth, Coach, and you use the J word, so I'm going to bring him up now. Uh, yeah, one of the biggest questions uh, heading into your team, something we talked about a lot on the podcast, and you know we wanted to wait to have you on, but on your roster as of right now, even you know despite all of the success Jensen Brooksby had this year, breaking into the top 300, getting wins at the U.S. Open, it it sounds like he is coming to your Baylor Bears program this season, correct? Yeah, he, he's coming, and we're looking forward to it. I think it'll be someone that, um, you know, he, he has great respect for college tennis, as you guys do. He, he respects college tennis. He loves playing, being part of a team. There's no question he's eager to do that. Um, you know, you only get one one crack. Uh, and, and, and truly, you know, we'll make sure, and, and, and you would imagine that, you know, Jensen's someone that, We'll have to, you know, take some opportunities that will come his way in terms of scheduling and being able to play some events, and 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 he'll have that flexibility as as anyone would, um, you know, in a, in a similar situation. So, uh, we're excited. I, I look, I've gotten to know Jensen. He's an amazing young man. He works uh, with one of what I consider one of the best coaches in the world, in Joe Gilbert and that staff. And and uh, you know, he's he's going to continue to get better. I think he's great for American tennis. He's a wonderful young man. Uh, he's articulate, speaks well, and, and we're excited to have him at Baylor. Uh, and we'll take it a day at a time. I mean, we just got to look at every situation on a, on a daily basis and make sure we're, we're, we're putting our best effort forth with what's going to ultimately help him get better and to play a schedule that makes sense. And, and as I said, with our depth this year, that's really helpful. So obviously, with a, when you've got someone like Jensen, it's in his best interest, right, to let him go out and play the tournaments he needs to play to develop his career but but i gotta know did, did you give him any you know any ultimatums like hey you have to you have to be at ncaa's or you have to be there for the texas tcu weekend or was there any of that talk going on or was it just hey we're just going to do whatever's best no no look i mean at the end of the day and i, and I sincerely mean this um jensen wants to be uh, part of the process, uh, but at the same time, we need to do what's best to provide him the opportunity to maximize his development day in and day out, and we're going to do that. Uh, but there wasn't, you know, uh, per, per se talk about okay, you're going to play this, and then you got to play this. I mean, it, 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 the only thing I got to make sure he plays, if by chance, and, and I know 
uh, Chris, you will appreciate this, but look, if we play big blue and Alex is around, <laughs> we, we've got to have Jensen Brooksby on the court, you know, and he'll know that. So, I, no, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, had to throw it out, I had to throw it out there. Uh, but, but no, that would, be, that would have to be an early NCAA match. <laughs> Give me Fenty. Hey, look, on the pod, I'll take Fenty. <laughs> oh, you guys are good. Fenty's a heck of a player. Gosh, what a great player that kid is. So, no, look, it's it's going to be a day at a time, week at a time, and we're going to do what's in the best interest of each individual. This is no different than, you know, you look back at some of the teams of the past. I mean, you know, guys end up having to play Davis Cup. You know, some that went to Davis Cup several times, so did Sonom. You know, these guys played other events. They got ATP events they were able to play because they got into. Um, you know, that's, the, the, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, it's an opportunity for them to get better. Somebody else on the team has to step up. Um, you, I think that flexibility is fine and, and, and can be a really positive thing for a team throughout the regular season. It needs to be managed well. The great thing about Jensen, look, Jensen, I mean, he's an unbelievable young man, uh, inc- great integrity, wonderful guy, uh, in- love his family, great people, and his coach is, is, is fabulous and, and world-class. And, and they, they see the benefits of, of this process, and, and we're going we're gonna to tie everything in to make sure that each day counts and, and that he's, he's you know, taking advantage of the opportunities that are provided to him, that he's earned. Uh, and at the same time, um, he's going to want to be part of this process. And, and uh, you know, he's excited to be part of a team. Uh, you know, one thing that, that Jensen, for those of you who don't know him, he, this guy is a, is, a, is a sports fanatic. You know, he just loves sports. He reminds me a lot of John Isner. You know, you talk to John, he wants to talk about, you know, all the for NFL and college football and college basketball. And, you know, Jensen is, uh, is amazing in that way. He just he, he loves college football and, you know, he, he knows the rosters better than, than anyone. And, and uh, so he, he has a lot of respect, not only just for the college process and college sports and values education and so on, but, but Jensen's also somebody that understands that, you know, he, he plans to play this game hopefully for 15-plus years, you know. Uh, and, and he's going to make sure that, you know, he looks at each opportunity and takes advantage of it and, and, and maximizes himself each and every day. He's got a great perspective. He's got great people around him. And, and uh, I have tons of respect for the kid. He, he's, and you guys have talked to him as well. I mean, I, I'm sure you can see that through. He's, he's a neat guy. Absolutely. And I have to say it, Westoff, give me a breaking new sound effect, please. I feel like a lot of people may have come here for that little tidbit, Coach. So I know I speak for college tennis fans everywhere when I say we are so excited to have Jensen as a part of college tennis in 2020. And, you know, earlier you mentioned the success that Adrian and Mateus and Sven uh, and and Constantine Franzen have had. But, you know, there's some of and Ryan uh, Dickerson as well. But you have this class of newcomers and you throw Jensen in the mix. You throw in Garcia as well as Rahul Dokia, uh, you know, Chris Franzen, Constantine little brother and now you are looking at a lot of depth and I know you played a bunch of different doubles combinations throughout the fall obviously a lot of them got singles rep but as you look at this team you look at the depth and you've had teams with depth before but uh, how do you begin to sort that out you know with the freshmen getting them to buy in figuring out what everyone plays how will you approach that process as the season nears? Look, again, um, you know, just like we, we just mentioned in talking about Jensen, you know, we've got to look for opportunities for guys to, to continue to compete and make sure that they're, uh, first and foremost, taking care of uh, day-to-day things that are going to allow them to maximize themselves. We, I think we do a really good job of, of taking the holistic development approach where 
you know, all the details uh, need to be covered in order to be arrested. And, and uh, these guys take that seriously. They, they, they love the game. And, and, and I believe they, they know that day in and day out, they're going to be around, you know, some great players uh, with, with different styles and, uh, you know, a lot of individual attention from a, from a staff standpoint to, to, to have an opportunity to get better, to, to see how good they can get. And that, that's really what I enjoy the most about it. And that's what's great about you know, I think people sometimes don't understand, uh, unless they're on the inside of some of these programs, there's some wonderful coaches out there, great, great people, great minds, and, and putting a ton of effort into these young people, not just on the court, but off the court, and their day-to-day life and the relationship they, they, they build with them. And it's nothing more special. So the impact you can have is profound. And, and these guys, you know, I'm, I'm very proud, very proud and prideful of some of those Virginia players that I had over the years that, you know, they're still out there playing. I look at the 2017 team, and I think five of the starting six are, you know, that world rankings and the working the way up and they're still battling and, and that's great for college tennis to look at what some of these other programs have done with you know kevin anderson's success and you know benny becker we mentioned who was at it was at michigan of course stevie johnson and it speaks for itself john isner um you know i talked to bobby reynolds this night tonight i mean great great career did really well on the tour i mean the list goes on and on and on so you know you got to look at each individual uh you got to kind of uh forecast what it is that they need and what's best for them and and ultimately i think that's what's what's ultimately best for the program and i'm excited about alex garcia he made a, a semifinals of a future uh recently and and uh you know he's a he's a big guy he's not a typical spanish player you know he's got a big game big serve can likes to come forward uh i i've been over there i've seen him i've gotten those family amazing people super excited about the addition of alex uh, Alejandro, we call him Alex, and uh, he, he had a great visit here. And then Joseph Chen, you know, he's another guy that I think is going to come in and, you know, kind of an unknown, but he's going to add some depth, a uh, special guy, and, and we'll see what, what goes on from there. But uh, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I'm excited about where the guys were, where they are, how much they've improved to playing some of their best tennis. And, and I just, again, you know, I love college tennis. I believe in and, and what we do and how we do it. And I think there's so many great coaches and programs and people out there working incredibly hard and, and there's so many positive stories. So I, I know you guys feel the same way or you want to do what you do. Yeah. So, so coach, you bring up Alex Garcia and uh, you know, for those, for, for our listeners that heard our, our preview pod, we, we actually didn't even mention Alex because, and of course I'll lay the blame on Gruskin because he's the one that has you on speed dial, not me. Right. What I, what I, what I asked, you know, I tried to ask the question, is this kid coming? And we, and we kind of thought, well, he's not on their roster, so he must be a, must be a fall guy. I would never take my hate out on another Alex as a fellow Alex. In fairness to Cody Soto, who's our SID. And I say this in all sincerity, he's overseeing some of the football and then he's got volleyball who's having a nice little run here. So I'm not going to hold him to having the bios up quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, so, so you bring him in now and, and I look in it and obviously I, you, you heard our preview, right? And we said, hey, with, with Jensen, super solid top four. And then you kind of, you know, and in, our, in our viewpoint, right, we had guys like Ryan Dickerson and Finn Bass and Franson and Franson and, and maybe even Chen, right, all. I'll hit hitting that five six spot, but now I, you know, I look at that and say for sure Alex is cracking that. Now you're like you're probably deeper than anybody through five at that point. Now that's got to yeah. that's that's got to be you know very promising. It's got to make you feel good about the lineup coming into the year. Well, and again, I, I understand that you guys forecast these things. You have to foreshadow what might be ahead and what you guys think. But you know, a lot changes. You know, we have a lot of guys on our team that are working hard. I think there'll be some some guys that surprise some people in terms of, of, of where they could play. Um, and, and, you know, it's, and I, again, I understand it. I think every coach looks at it and says, okay, this is kind of where guys stack up, but I, I sincerely mean like, 
I think I think you'll see some guys play a lot of different spots. Um, they're capable of it. They can step up, and and we want to make sure that they all. Uh, and we tell them that you know, like we, we don't we don't set it in stone. We certainly don't want to do that early. We want to make sure guys have a chance to move up and down the lineup, and 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 and, and have an opportunity to, uh, to to play and compete against the players uh, at, at all different levels for their for their development. And 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 I know that you know Jensen, of course. I mean, I, there's no doubt. I mean, he's he's going to be an immediate profound impact uh, he's a great player and, and that speaks for itself but but there's also a bunch of guys in there that you know we'll, we'll see what happens you know and then there's the health factor right you know it's hard to keep guys healthy the game's really physical it's tough and let's see how that plays out so uh it's a long season um but i'm really excited about it i know you guys are the biggest college tennis fans uh, there is and and i know that all of us are grateful for that and i truly mean that i know we give each other a hard time but Picked on Gruskin a little bit. He deserves it. Uh, Chris, don't always agree. We can agree to disagree on certain things, but you know, I, 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 I in fairness to you, you know, you, you know, unless you're on the inside of things, and I know you respect this, that got sometimes you, you, you can't really, you know, yeah. There's so many moving parts, so many programs, so many great teams and coaches, and there's so much depth that, you know, how are you supposed to know, you know? So you do the best you can. You forecast some things. That's your job, and then you get people's. Uh, blood pressure perked up a little bit maybe maybe me a, tiny, maybe me a tiny bit but we still love you and uh i think it's it's gonna be a fun season you know there's so you know look at some of these teams you know ohio state another great team of course it's gonna be great teams southern kale has a great team peter smith did a great job there and 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 of course uh you know that th- that's gonna be interesting uh brett macy now and back at southern kale great great team i think there'll be some sleepers in there that will surprise us i mentioned oklahoma state's a, i think a very very good team with jay and they're hosting the ncaa's which is very advantage the elite eight they host a big 12 tournament and so we're going to be there three times so uh, it will be interesting i mean you've seen it so many you know you mentioned our year last year um if you had told me at the beginning of the year look you're gonna win the big 12s and beat texas and 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 finish six of the country make the elite eight you know that would have at times i would have been well that's uh, pretty impressive for this group and but all credit to the kids i mean they're the ones who rallied around came to work every day worked hard pushed each other to get better worked hard on their games you know loved loved every minute of it so it it's a lot of variables, and I have a lot of respect to these coaches. I know a lot of people out there trying really hard. You know, being an Eddie Hurley yesterday, I run into a bunch of coaches that coach at all kinds of different levels. And I met, spent some time with Sarah from Virginia, who's a women's coach, done a fabulous job. Andres Pedrosa, who I love, obviously, doing a great job at Virginia. And Alex, of course, is a big Wahoo fan, but, you know, we'll forgive him for that. Um, but they're going to have a great team too, you know? And so, so it's just never ending with Tony Bresky, the job he's done at wake and North Carolina has another great team. I mean, it never ends Mississippi state. I guess I have to say that because you have a big ally there for Mississippi state. If he gets, if he gets on the show, he's going to, you know, he's going to start talking. Of course, Rose Holman. Now that's, you know, we, we should probably talk about that, right? Alex Rose Holman. We're, we're a man here played. It's, you look out. I don't know how they're doing, but <laughs> you did in Michigan. Yeah, you're they're killing. All, they're all in. I blue mentioned Benny. I mentioned Be- Big Blue. I started the conversation with Big Blue, and then I mentioned how much I love and respect Benjamin Becker and Adam. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. So, 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 so you listen to the you listen to our preview pod, and I have to know your immediate reaction when you heard Gruskin say, "There's a chance that Brooksby comes in and doesn't even crack the doubles lineup." Was it? Was it? What the f is he thinking? Or was it? Look, yeah, well, possible. no, no. It, it was. It was something like this. I'm not gonna hire Druskin to be on my staff. <laughs> okay. I so, mean, I'm just gonna be honest with you. The kid's gonna play singles and doubles. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the follow-up to that is a. Trust me, coach. On the recruiting trail, we would be going neck and neck. B. If I'm raising your blood pressure. 
I would like some of the credit for you losing all of this weight. You're welcome. Uh, and C, it was in the context, and this is how I'll get to my question of, because this uh, past fall, you guys had so much success from a bunch of different guys. And, you know, you mentioned Boytan, Soto, uh, Franz, and La, uh, those core four coming back. I know you lose, you know, all three of your doubles teams. Half of them are gone. And there is something to continuity. Uh, you look at, you know, your teams at Virginia, JC and Colin, or uh, Ty and Mac, who played together for so long, Julian and Justin Shane, who played together for so long. Uh, but you have a lot of different talented guys who you can play with in the doubles lineup. And I know when you have depth, you want to give guys opportunities. So that was the context of saying Jensen, not because it's a talent thing, um, but with that in mind, you know, how will you manage the doubles lineups? Because it's completely different pairings. Well, and, and this is something I, maybe, you know, people, if you've, if you've done this a long time, I think, Obviously, you look at different game styles. You look at guys who have spent some time together on the court. Look at the job that Ryan Dickerson and Matias have done this year. And, of course, Hani and Stan have had some great success as well. I think both top 25 teams and play, you know, I think they're just getting started together. You know, Jimmy Bendick and Sven Law hadn't played it all together until I came to Baylor. And, you know, they, it just felt right. My gut feeling was we need to give them a shot. And and Izak and, and, and Izak Vandermeer and Michael Woods, my assistant, uh, liked the idea. So, you know, they end up being the number one team in the country. And, you know, Jimmy didn't play at the end of the year in the doubles line at the year before. So, and he's a great doubles player doing so many great things. So happy he's on the tour. And Sven, is, it speaks for itself. So those guys had a lot of skill. And they just gelled well. They had their game styles fit each other, their chemistry, their camaraderie on the court. They pushed each other tons of energy. So, you know, we look at all the factors. Um, and then I think at the end, you know, you, if you've done this a long time, you're, you go with your gut, you know, instincts, uh, kind of get a feel this feels right, you know, and, it's no different than a tennis player. You know, they step up the line at, you know, big point at, you know, five all and third. Of course, you're playing Druskin. Then you just have football in the box. But <laughs> you, you step up and, and, and you, you go with your gut. You know, it's a big point. And so it's the same thing for a coach. I think when it comes down to it, you know, you got to use your instincts, your experience, and, and, and consult with your assistants and make the call. But I, it's going to work out. It's always worked out. I'm proud of the double success we've had. Super proud of what we were able to do at Virginia, of course, with some of those guys. And, and, and look at, you know, it's, it's pretty special what a lot of college guys have been able to do to stay on the tour uh, all those years, you know, playing at the professional level, at the highest level. I'm proud of Dom Englott and Trey Huey and, 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 and so many others. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a neat story. There's a lot of great stories out there of guys making, a, you know, a really good living on a professional tour, coming out of college doubles. And I know that they would, you know, we have the Bryant brothers here for an event uh, earlier on this year, what a thrill it was to have Mike and Bob and Sam Cleary in town. And, and uh, you know, they talked to the team and, and, and just expressed, you know, how special this time playing for Stanford, college tennis, what it meant to them and how it catapulted them to, to do some of the things they've done. And, and to talk about two great ambassadors for the game and actually make that three with Sam. I mean, a lot of a lot of guys like the, look at the impact the Prime Brothers have just with doubles and so many other college guys. So sorry to kind of get off track there, but but our doubles going to work out fine. <laughs> and I'm not I have no intention of playing uh you or Gruskin together at all. No, I was just say Gruskin Rothman is a good three doubles no, team. Look, in its Gruskin prime. Gruskin I will let him text me. Uh he, I will sometimes answer his ridiculous questions. Uh but <laughs> letting him make any decisions as to where some guys should play or who should play or whether Brooksby should play doubles, that's not happening. First of all, Especially asking- after some of those comments. First of all, asking if Lee Singer was a glorified pusher was not a ridiculous question, Coach. That deserved an answer. <laughs> I just you need to go back to your club team. No. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, let's just call a spade a spade. Would you hire Gruskin after some of those comments? 
Oh, are you kidding me? I wouldn't hire Justin <laughs> to mop my floor. I mean, oh my gosh. Although I must but say, I do, too- I do think though, Coach, that that <laughs> he could probably get you through the Valpo match. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's I don't know. Hell no, not if we're putting them in. We can't do that. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Now, to Gruskin's credit, I believe the, this should go on record. I think it already has because he likes to brag about himself. But 2017, did they not win the national championship on the club side? That's true. I have a ring. I mean, I don't have a ring, but in theory, a metaphorical ring. It's very true. And look. Look, it's all relative, man. That's a big deal. You should be proud of that. I'd love to see my daughter have that chance. She's on the club team here. They work. They, they, they have a good time. No, again, if she needs the ins and outs, the key is it's all about the women's side because all of the guys are the same level. But if you have a good girl, you're going to win. And that's why we won because my brother's girlfriend, uh, Laura, who had played for the varsity team in Michigan before she tore her ACL, she was why we won. I mean, it had nothing to do with me, coach. Although I will say senior year undefeated until the finals where I caught a case of the double faults at night. But we'll talk about that later. I got to be honest, Chris. This is everyone just turned the radio off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and literally did you the whole thing just went blank yeah, oh, yeah your, your producer and there's like please stop stop i will say someone on this podcast recommended we do a pod breaking down my game and it was not me <laughs> it wasn't me. i know but everybody needs practice you know in the media realm so you just need to get some people together to practice no one's gonna listen our producer, Daniel Westoff, has never chimed in on a podcast, but after you just said that, Coach, everyone tuning off the radio, he texted me and said, literally. And so I think he... I like this Daniel Westoff guy. This guy knows what he's doing. He's my man. Keep it up, Daniel. You're the man. We all got to keep this Druskin in line, though. But I'll say it again. Go blue, baby. I know. I appreciate it, Coach. And again, we've taken so much of your time, so we will wrap things shortly. But you've mentioned how strong you think the Big 12 Conference is. And for you guys, obviously, everything starts there. Um, Can you talk about, you know, how how you guys think you stack up in the Big 12, how important conference play will be? be for your season i think conference play is always important for anybody's season um but at the same time look uh once the ncaa tournament starts anything's possible right so uh you know we're going to gear towards playing some of our best tennis in may uh the, the big 12 certainly does nothing less than prepare you at the highest level for that and and having you know the ncas and the conference championships in stillwater i, I think is a is a big positive for the big 12 this year and, and of course they have great facilities and great setup so um you know i I've said it, like I said at the beginning, um, you know, look at some of the teams last year. I don't know, Oklahoma maybe finished fourth or fifth, uh, you know, whatever, but, you know, they were in the Sweet 16. So all those teams are going to prepare you to play for national championship come May. And and we, I think it's mutual. Everybody's, you know, we're competitive. We we have our days where maybe we're not the kindest, but to each other as we should be. But but the Big 12 and the Big 12 coaches uh, do a great job. And it's going to be, it's every match is going to be great for college tennis, great for the fans, and, and great to see what happens in the postseason. So, uh, look, I, I, I we're excited about it, and, and we'll see how it plays out. But you guys can go ahead and... Uh, and try to figure out who's going to finish second, third, and, and act like you know what you're talking about and who's going here and this and that. But in all due respect, I, I know it's your job. And, and in fairness, you guys, in fairness, I, I got to be careful here because you have the microphone. But, but in all fairness, in all fairness, Chris, I do think that you know a little bit. Gruskin knows nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it, Chris. I'll take it. I'm kidding. You guys are great. I mean it. I mean it. I think I think we need more of you for college tennis. Look, I'm the pretty face. Um, that's that's my role. It always has been. 
<laughs> so, on, on, a, on a much more serious note, Coach, yeah. obviously th- this year we had, you know, the, the passing of Mark Hurd, who's obviously been Ugh. a big, a big, big influence in the in the Waco community, in the Baylor program, in college tennis in general, I mean, all around. But I don't know, you know, to what extent you guys got, you know, he was physically around and you saw him and, and has that had, you know, what kind of effect has had, has that had down there? Well, first, Chris, thank you for bringing that up. And I'm glad you did. You know, I think we all owe Mark Hurd at every level of tennis uh, a, a debt of gratitude. I mean, this man absolutely loved this game and he more than anything wanted to provide opportunities for young people to maximize themselves and and have an, a chance to reach and accomplish their dreams. I got to know Mark on a personal level over the last year and a half. Um, and we miss that guy every day. Mark Hurd, Paula Hurd, their beautiful daughters, uh, meant so much, not only just to the Waco community, Baylor University, Baylor Athletics, and Baylor Tennis, but the whole tennis world. And when I went to Mark's celebration uh, that weekend, uh, that final weekend uh, uh, when we flew to California. Um, it was a truly a celebration of an amazing life who touched people from so many walks of life. You know, there were people from, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting. We need more people, you know, Democrats uh, who who made it into the higher offices of, of this land, uh, uh, Republicans, uh, people from different uh, places in government, uh, the, from all over the tennis world, from the highest level of the professional ranks to people that were just coaching from college tennis, uh, from the world of business, uh, you know, CEOs from the biggest companies, the most influential companies on the planet, uh, to those who ran small businesses and how Mark influenced them. Uh, I have so much love and respect for that man. Uh, one thing that I got from Mark uh, is that uh, I, I didn't know, just like everybody, kind of how things were, were evolving. But Mark was very honest with me uh, about our responsibility uh, and obligation as, as coaches, as teachers, as mentors, um, to take so seriously and honor that responsibility day in and day out. And I got the best of Mark Hurd. Uh, Mark was, I'm so grateful for what he poured into me. Uh, we never talked about business, uh, to be honest with you, in terms of, you know, who's going to beat who, college tennis, this and that. But what Mark was genuinely interested in is is how are the players doing? Um, uh, how are things going with their lives? Um, what do you think about how we can maximize opportunities for young people trying to grow the game or t- trying to get involved in the game? Uh, he cared deeply, and I mean deeply, not just about, you know, Baylor tennis, but it was a – Mark was a big-picture guy, Matt. He – he loved the sport and he loved the sport nationally. He loved American tennis. He wanted to impact American tennis. Uh, he was a big picture guy. He wasn't a guy that, you know, it wasn't about Baylor men's tennis. It, that was, that was a small spoke in the wheel. It was about Baylor athletics and more importantly, Baylor university. I mean, Mark just prior to his passing um, six months ago, him and Paula uh, are opening what is going to be called the Mark and Paula Heard welcome center at Baylor university, a beautiful welcoming to our campus and to our, our, our students and people that visit. Um, it was, he was a big picture guy and there was no difference how he dealt with business life and, and of course, the tennis world. So I think that was uh, important for me to say, and I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to do it. Uh, I love Mark. We think about him all the time. He, he did a lot for me on a personal level. More than that, he's affected so many lives and in and, and tennis and elsewhere. And and his family is is first class, wonderful people. So thank you. 
Absolutely, and we appreciate you saying that, Coach. Uh, obviously, I never had the chance to meet him, but it's not only college tennis. You know what Oracle is doing for the challenger level and just for opportunities throughout the tennis world. I mean, that isn't possible without Mark Hurd spearheading that effort. So his reach, you know, his influence on tennis felt throughout the tennis universe. This podcast, the opportunity to cover all of these events, doesn't happen without his, you know, constant dedication to the product and. Look for your team. Obviously, it's the Herd Tennis Center. Uh, you know how much he means for Baylor, and I, I know that was a somber note, but for your team this year, you know, you talk about all, all he did to position you guys well. You, we've talked about the depth. We've talked about all the talent. You've mentioned I'm completely Jensen Brooksby will be in the doubles lineup, duh, and that speaks to how successful your team uh, could potentially be this season now. I know you are going to say take it one match at a time, but you've had a lot of talented rosters, and I'm, you know, as you go into the season with this roster, not in terms of goals, but I guess what do you expect from this team on a you know day to day basis? I expect a bunch of guys that come to the herd center every day uh, with a desire to get better, and I, and I say that in the most serious way. Like they they lo- they love the, they, they love the game, they want to get better. Uh, they love being part of the team. They, they, they love Baylor University. They, they believe in the staff and the process. Uh, and, and, and they're going to let things work themselves out. You know, again, it's easy to talk about the process, but I really believe these guys embrace it because of what they want to do with their tennis um, and how seriously they take that process. And it's day-to-day. It's, a, it, it's, a, it's a, an effort that comes from every angle, and, and, and it's not easy to do it right, and it takes a, it takes a village. So, uh, you know, look, I, I – We'll see how how all that kind of comes together. Um, but I do know this. I do know that the Baylor Bears will be formidable. They're going to come ready to compete every day. Um, and we'll leave it on the court. Uh, we'll do it the right way. We, we're, we're excited about where we were, where we are. And, and, and certainly the, the upcoming season uh, across college tennis is exciting. So, look, I think we're in a, a, you know, and Mark and I talk a lot about this. And that's what I, I hope people do understand about him. His his mission with uh, with tennis and, and with the Oracle series and with professional tennis and opportunities and college tennis, um, you know, he, he, he just wanted to provide opportunity. And it wasn't about, you know, Baylor tennis or, or, or about this specific agenda. And that's what I think made Mark so special. It was it was truly about the sport. And, and he believed that American tennis uh, over time uh, was 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 gonna was gonna turn the corner and and I know it's only a matter of time. A lot of people working hard. A lot of people love the sport, like you guys uh, promote the sport. And and um, we have a really exciting upcoming college tennis season ahead of us. And we certainly hope that we're 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 a big part of that process. And look, if your team needs any bulletin board material, you know where to send them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, to Chris. <laughs> yeah, we we've actually already cut and spliced some of his uh, stuff from yesterday, so we'll hold that off so I can send him throughout the year. Chris, if you don't mind, if you could Twitter your cell phone out, that'd be great, so I can get it. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I'll be twittering those as like we cut and paste and slice them. We're gonna Twitter them out. We're not gonna send them to Chris. <laughs> Oh, exactly. It's perfect. Well, with this fun spirit in mind, there's one, and you've been so kind with your time, there's one last thing I want to do, and I'll limit it to three questions this time. But whenever we have a guest on, we like to have a little fun with them at the end with a rapid fire esque segment. Now, as you are a return guest, we've already done a traditional rapid fire, so I want to do a college tennis amended rapid fire. That sound good to you, coach? You got it. All right, Westoff, give me a rapid fire sound effect, please. Okay, so. 
again, we, we speak from time to time, and I teased my rock, paper, scissors idea, and, you know, it's okay, but I want to go with a different one here. I'm going to shoot big. This is one of the ideas we've been harping on, and when we talked to Coach Roditi, uh, he mentioned that this has been thrown around before, so I'm curious your thoughts. Lawless lineups, and what I mean by that is it's not one through six, and it, under my preference, I would have the home team get to set the lineup as a home field advantage, but rather than play it, it's just you don't know the lineups until beforehand. Coaches can play whomever, wherever, and you just pl- you go out there and you play. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, control this guy, please. <laughs> Where's the – oh, jeez. Um, pro, I, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. What, what else do you say to that, Chris? I, I, I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Well, like, so for a no-add double set, it's like anyone could win, right? So one through three doubles, does it really mean anything? I mean, look, Sven and Jimmy at number one, yeah, they them playing at one, I get it. But, like, all three of your doubles teams were phenomenal last year. You know, those two 7-6 matches that Michigan won against you, Coach, in the round of 16. I don't know if you know that, but we took the doubles point off you. Stay out, that was so you'd stay in line and actually pay attention. <laughs> but you actually knew your facts when you got on the radio. <laughs> Because uh, then, otherwise, you're giving Chris the wrong information. Like, yeah, no, it's true. But other, I'm saying the level of doubles across all three courts. And again, you point to those Virginia teams. I mean, JC and Colin were as good as any of those other doubles teams. So the idea of you know just playing the doubles teams wherever you'd like that at the you know that the singles is radical. You you want to see you know, a match? I always remember I was there for Torpor versus Nuno 2017 NCAA quarterfinals, and like them coming down three all match, one singles, two of the best players in the country yes i get that in singles but in doubles at least a little feasible all right next rapid fire <laughs> chris, chris control this guy where's westerhoff the producer help us out man yeah. oh okay um <laughs> all right i'm trying to think of another now now i'm now i'm rattled um all right i'm gonna go with the new one it takes a lot all individuals in the fall, all, all do, uh, team things in the spring, and the reason we do that is so, and this is going to take a lot of coordination, Coach. I might need you to pull some strings. We can do a college tennis Laver Cup at the U.S. Open. I'm talking like an, all, like an all-star game. Yeah, like it could be West Coast and South versus Midwest and Northeast. Yeah, o- open open to the ideas of uh, summer, uh, you know, working hard and then the fall being the individual season and, and then doing the team aspect in the spring. The only thing I want to make sure that at least we have an opportunity to continue to do is finish those matches. Uh, I've never been ever convinced that team matches should necessarily stop at four. I think there could be a delay for a team that wins. And in some cases, I understand it with the national indoors and some of the postseason, but we're going to try to finish those matches. And I think a lot of times those teams that those guys go out there and let's say the match is over five, one, some of those matches that they play in front of their teams and some of the crowd that loves the game and stays around, it's pretty exciting and some great tennis. So I'd like to continue that when we can, I think we did a good job finishing some matches last year, but as far as the individual in this fall, I know it's been kicked around for a long time. I know there's some, certainly some complications, with it from the NCA and others and I know the ITA has uh, has been involved in it as well but I, I'm open to it I, I think it depends on, on a lot of the details uh, sure. uh, we keep you off the board <laughs> that's fair what did you think about hosting that round of 16 match obviously that it was nice that you got to host it but just that format in general I think it's great I think it's great for the game. I mean, look, we we packed this place against UCLA. If you consider that some of these uh, Sweet 16 matches were happening on the men's and women's side at 9 a.m. 
uh, with an empty, uh, you know, empty, empty stands, uh, because the times during the week were just not realistic. Uh, and, and then you can play a primetime match. The experience, uh, the opportunity is, is just incredible. Uh, look, the experience we had, and, and there's never been a facility that's been able really, and in fairness, all the facilities have been great. Uh, there have been so many great ones. They just cannot do 32 teams. And, and, and then we're running into playing these matches on Mondays and Tuesdays, and we're playing 9 a.m. I, I think it's, a, it's something we have to do. There hasn't been a better solution. Uh, and we had a great experience, and so did both UCLA and uh, Baylor, win or lose. I mean, I, I, I think I'd say the same thing. It was just an awesome atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, even we talked to Coach Roditi uh, last week, and he talked about how going to Mississippi State, just the, because, you know, the best teams generally will have good crowds, that all of those Elite Eight teams, they pack their crowds, and it was just a different experience than that typical round of 16 match. No question. I think it's great, and that was a great win, by the way, for TCU. That's a hard thing to do, what they did, so it's good for them. That's hard. Absolutely. All right, again, big 12, big 12 versus SEC, just throwing that out there. In case you <laughs> I know, I know, you know, and I know that that's not going to make some people on this podcast particularly happy, you know, when he gets back on air, but. No, Coach, we're talking to Pedroso next week. I'm going to tell him you said that. No, of course. Um, All right. My last question for you, and Chris, you can chime in on this one as well, uh, in case you don't know, but for our listeners who do know, we are doing our best of the 2010s uh, series on our Great Shot podcast, looking back at the past 10 years, uh, taking, you know, biggest storylines, results, controversies, all the fun stuff from that, talking about it for our listeners. And we have a college tennis best teams, best individuals of the 2010s pod of the horizon now. In terms of best coach of the decade, you know, you, Peter Smith, it's it's 1-1-A, whichever way you want to do it, because th- this was your decade, and you were up front to a lot of those best teams. Uh, you look on paper in terms of pro results, the two teams on the men's side that maybe stand out as the best. You just can't deny that Virginia team, uh, your, that your senior year, your final year, my senior year, um, with, you know, Colin, Ty, Richie, JC, and I'm forgetting someone uh, who is doing uh, very well. Henrik, yeah, and Hen- Henrik as well, obviously. Just all of those guys so successful. Um, but there's also that 2011, I want to say, USC team. Maybe it was 2012, uh, the ones that won in Georgia where you have Stevie and Ray and Daniel Wynn, Yannick, Emilio, Roberto Quiroz. They all also went on to successful pro careers as well. So I know you don't want to offend anyone, but for our listeners, your opinion, you, again, front row seat, the best men's team you saw in the 2010s. Whew. Are we including Virginia? Or are we- of course, Coach. Come on, come on. <laughs> oh my gosh, you are really. This is a. You're baiting me on this one. Um, <laughs> Mississippi State. <laughs> oh, because of that, you know. Uh, no, actually, Mississippi State did have some great teams. That's not even a. That's not a laugh. They've had some great teams. But in terms of, in terms of SC and Virginia and some of the UCLA teams and, and gosh, no, there's so many. Ohio State had some great teams. Wake Forest had some great teams. Virginia. So, I, gosh, I, I, can I, do I get like, is there a time limit on this? I mean, I'll I, give you three. You can name three. I think the team from 2011 at Stanford that SC had was, was phenomenal. That was a great team. No question about it. Uh, led by Stevie Johnson. Mm-hmm. The old 12 team was also fabulous. 
Uh, I, 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 you know, I'm not going to back up to 08 when we had DeVarman leading the way, the special leader and player. The 11 team, sh- if Courtney doesn't get hurt, that team's the best team. Undefeated, maybe national champions. That might take the cake. Yeah, that team's up there. Gosh, and then you go into some of my my last few teams where mm-hmm. you're right. You had you know you had Colin out Toronto at four, JC at five, and then six was Henrik. I mean, those, those are t- those are tough outs. I mean, those guys compete with anyone in the country. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I, that's a, that's a really loaded question. I mean, there's yeah. there's and 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 again, I don't want to forget about some of the teams that Ohio State had. I mean, they yeah, they've had some unbelievable teams and. It's not easy for them when they, you know, they do have to play, you know, in in in, in the Midwest uh, because that's the way it is, and then and then have to adjust to to the, the situation down down south, oftentimes. So, ah, uh, gosh, it's you, I I don't know if I could answer this. I mean, this is something I'll just listen to Chris on this one, not the other stuff. But, um, I, you know, he, l- let's see what he's got. Chris, what do you think? What do you got on this one? Well, not Rose Holman. If you didn't win the title. You can't oh, have yeah. the discussion. So, so I knew you were going to say that. And here's my counterpoint to that is there was a team in the 2010s where Jameer Jenkins played four singles. Just think about it. Yeah, he that. did. I know. Yeah, he it's did. And, crazy. and it made sense. Yeah. And 11 at Stanford, you know, Singh was at three. What do we have? Uh, Damajan was at two. Shabazz was at one. That's a really good team. Yeah. That's so, crazy. yeah. But, you know, again, you look at some of the teams we played. I mean, it's it got some great teams out there like you mentioned sc i mean that's going to be a 4-3 and people i say oh, what was your best team i mean my old 13 team was undefeated you know and mm-hmm. so you've got you know jameer and then at one and now it's damajan at two and you have mitchell at three i mean that's sure. a pretty good ryan. one two three so yeah ryan and justin were in there and and yeah it's tough it's it's, it's a lot of good players in college <laughs> tennis and, and, and you know going back to to i, I think the tennis world uh, there's a lot of respect for college tennis. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have gone from college tennis done really well on the tour, no matter how long they stay. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an awesome experience an incredible pathway. And there's so many benefits to dealing with the, the pressure of, of college tennis and the final four and, and all the opportunities that you have. I, I, I think it's really special. I know you guys do too. So. Yeah, no, Chris, sorry, I, I had to cut you off because you went after one of my Virginia teams. You, you didn't get the chance to answer the question if you'd like to. No, but no, I mean, I think that's, in all, in all seriousness, if when you're asking for the best team of the entire decade, I say clearly it's got to be a team that won the title. And I, and, and I will, and, and, you know, as much as I hate the side with Gruskin and, and you know, <laughs> be following him, I – Having seen a lot of some of that Virginia, I would take the Virginia team. Yeah. I, I it's again that twelve USC team on paper, Yannick Honifman played I think it was what, four or five against Justin in the final five to clinch, and he, he's top one fifty. I think he I think he broke the top one hundred a couple years ago. A lot of a lot of good players out there, no question. Yeah. So uh-huh. I can't I can't believe I'm gonna let you cop out of this. I'm, I kinda want a year in the team. I, yeah, you could have gone with twenty twelve blue. We'll go with that Mississippi State team. There's a lot of good ones. Um, oh boy. There's yeah, yeah you, that's a loaded question. I I, <laughs> I, I I don't even want to go there. So But that's usually what Gruskin does to you. Yeah, look, that's that's half the experience of this. Well, Coach, uh, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I know I, again, speak on behalf of college tennis fans everywhere where we say we are so happy to have you back in college tennis on the sideline. It was weird to see you in green, uh, but I'm growing used to it. Uh, if I make uh, – I don't want to give away all of my biases. Obviously, Michigan's number one, but let's just say Baylor – 
obviously quickly streaking up the rankings. I appreciate it. Well, Chris, Alex, Matt is not here. You guys, uh, you guys do a great job. So I look forward to talking to you again, and and uh, good luck with following and making your predictions. <laughs> look, I tell Chris every time his his predictions are never far from the listed UTR. So if you want to know them beforehand, you can see them. You can see them. <laughs> That's all right. Would you just please Twitter Chris's number? We got to fix it. We got to fix it. <laughs> all right, guys. I yeah, should probably go. I think people have already. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, they they left in the first six minutes when we started talking about my forehand. But seriously, yeah, Coach, thank you so much. Take care. Good luck to you guys. And I always have to ask, can I get a Go Bears out of you? Thank you. Second Bears. <laughs> All right, take care, Coach. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with the one and only Baylor Bears men's tennis head coach, Brian Boland. Chris, I mean, the big news from the podcast, Jensen Brooksby going to be in college tennis in 2020. Now we talked about those implications, and I feel like we're both hesitant to even make predictions about Baylor anymore. But with that in mind, I mean, this is huge news, not only for their team, but just for the college tennis men's scene in general in 2020. Absolutely. I mean, obviously it puts them uh, with Brooksby along with the, the addition of, of Alex Garcia in January, who we weren't sure was going to be there, puts them puts them up there big time. And, and as you stated, you know, implications on the on the pro circuit, people were looking to see if he was if he was going to go play uh, on the pro tour, come to college. And obviously he's going to come to college and he's certainly going to get his opportunities to play other events uh, while there. I mean, it's all about what's best for him and, and Coach Bowen's going to give him that opportunity. But that's definitely the uh, that's definitely the shattering uh, news that everybody was looking for and hoping that they were going to get from this is, hey, is he really coming uh, in, in another month or not? I think this is the first time we've broke news like this. This feels big. I feel like this is a breakthrough for us. So obviously we're you know thrilled to hear that as college tennis fans. Yeah, you mentioned you get a player like Jensen Brooksby and Alex Garcia and just all the talent they have now at Baylor. You know, Coach Bullen stressed it. It's going to be a really fun college tennis season because – there are so many talented teams. He doesn't want to compare. We can with you know Florida and how good their roster looks. UNC, USC, Ohio State. There, it's a wide. You know, we're going to learn a lot at indoors, and there's still so much to learn until you know we we want to see what this lineup's going to look like. You have now Soto, Boyten, Sven La, uh, who Franson, who've all had such great summers, and it's like Jensen Brooksby is the real deal. So it's going to be really fun to see Coach Boland's team just progress throughout the year, and I think we're both excited now, even more so for this upcoming season. Oh yeah, it's gonna it's tremendous, and yeah, what a, what a stacked lineup now that that they're going to have. So. So there, that clearly puts them right in, I mean, right in the middle of the talks with with Florida, North Carolina, USC, et cetera, right? Yeah, well, you know, Coach Bull mentioned no one's probably listening at this point. Hopefully, he listens to this because I agree. I think they uh, they're up there now in the conversation with any team coming into this 2020 season. But with that in mind, if you want to learn more about this Baylor team, you missed our conversation earlier in the week on the Mini Break Podcast. Be sure to go check out our website, CrackedRackets.com, where you can find that podcast, Matt's article about the Baylor team, and all of the college contenders preview stuff we have done uh, thus far. You know, Matt 
Chris and I talking as well as our interviews with those coaches. So go look out for that. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of other stuff happening in the tennis world as well. It's the off season, but it's never too early to look for 2020. I'm pretty sure the Australian Open Wild Card Challenge is going on in a couple of places right now. So it literally, the 2020 season is upon us before you know it. So go check out the website. The more immediate updates on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We have some fun announcements on the Chris Hallioris front that we'll save for another podcast because I feel like this one's already going to be long enough. But Chris, you know, I, you know, I can't thank you enough for doing this. So I want to give you the final words before I give the shout outs. Uh, I, I mean, I just, it, it was a lot of fun talking to coach Bowen. I'm really, really excited to see, you know, I, what I, I think what I'm really looking forward to now, knowing that Jensen's coming is seeing some of the, you know, and we may have to wait quite a while to see some of those matchups, but really, you know, there's some really, really good talented players in the NCAA and, and heck the, when we get to this, to the singles and even the team finals, man, there's going to be some high level, high level tennis there. I will say the only thing from the podcast I'm disappointed in is that you didn't defend me more when coach went after my lawless lineups take. You should have been on my side. I, yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, that was, that's almost undefendable. <laughs> well, if this podcast was good for nothing, it was good for a bunch of laughs. And to make sure those laughs don't get in the way of your audio quality, I want to give a shout out to our super producers, as always, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westhoff, who have a f- of an editing job to do and continue to just bring it week in, week out. These three-part series, again, don't happen without them taking the time to do all this editing. So huge shout out to them. But with that in mind, oh, I should also mention, have forgot to say this, as part of our Aerobar uh, giveaway, in which you might know, our new partner, Aerobar, the delicious uh, tennis energy bar, the replace- tennis-specific energy bar, more potassium than a banana, but actually tastes so good. I mean, seriously, I- I'm not going to name the other brands because I'm not going to give them the dignity of Aerobar, who deserves center stage here. But when you think of an energy bar, a mid-match thing, a Gatorade paste, you're like, ugh. Like, am I really going to eat this? Like, I'm not that good at tennis. I don't really need to eat this junk, do I? But I would eat these aero bars casually. I mean, people know I do things in my life that work up an appetite. And when I get my first shipment of aero bars in, I'm going to be munching on them. They're a delicious, healthy alternative. So I look forward to getting those. And as part of their partnership with us, they were so kind to set up and send us a John Isner signed racket. And so as part of our giveaway to thank you listeners, get you guys excited and involved in the podcast with aero bars. We're asking you go leave a five-star rating as well as a review on this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, or the Cracked Interviews Podcast uh, to get yourself a chance in the sweepstakes. Now, if you leave a review on all three podcasts, your name will be entered into the raffle three times. Again, you do the math. Uh, My dad says I'm not quantitatively talented, but I do know three times is more than one, so definitely go and do that. Plus, you're already writing one. You're taking the time. Might as well do the other two as well. You're there. You know, it would be weirder if you just wrote the one and came back later and was like, oh, I'm going to do the second one now. Like now you're a creep. Now you're, you know, you're trying to do things. And again, Hudson Hatfield right now, leader in the clubhouse, minus 400. But sorry for that additional rant, Chris, with that in mind, for my lovely co-host, Chris Hallioris, for our fantastic guest, Baylor men's tennis head coach, Brian Boland, and for our super, oh, for our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire teams at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Uh, we hope you enjoy the podcast and stay tuned next week. Thanks, everyone.